Cleveland Schmooze is sponsored by the Cleveland Jewish News. Get the latest news and information from the Cleveland Jewish News delivered right to your inbox. Choose from breaking news, daily headlines, community life cycle notices, arts, events, highlights, and more with our free e-newsletters. Sign up now at cjn.org slash e-signup. Welcome to Cleveland Schmooze, a bi-weekly podcast about the people who make up Jewish Cleveland. We're your hosts. I'm Rachel Rude. And I'm Robin Rude. This week, we are talking to Emily Einhorn, a senior philosophy major at DePaul University. She is spending her last semester back home in Cleveland due to the pandemic. She tells us what it's been like being a student about to enter the job market in the middle of a pandemic. And she talks about helping the Jewish Federation of Cleveland create a community cookbook. We recorded this conversation with Emily Einhorn over Zoom. Well, Emily Einhorn, thank you so much for joining us today on Cleveland Schmooze. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. So we would love to start by hearing a little bit about your Jewish upbringing. Definitely. So I grew up um, and I basically joke that my life revolves around that little bridge on Fairmount Road by B'nai Sharon and Shari Tikva because <laughs> I went to Shari Tikva every Saturday and I went to Schechter since I was two and a half years old. Oh. And so both of those places really became like second and third homes to me. And both of my parents were really involved in the leadership there. And I was just basically lucky enough to be raised in both of those communities. When I was seven, I started going to Camp Ramon, Canada, which has continued to be a very strong place that I go back to and a very strong influence on me. And actually this past year, I was lucky enough to participate in the Nachshon Project Undergraduate Fellowship, which um, basically it is for young Jewish leaders who might be thinking about a career in the Jewish professional world. And it definitely culminated all of my Jewish education until that point. It basically culminated in that trip. Wow. Do you have any siblings? Yeah, I have two siblings, a younger sister and a younger brother. And yeah, they're great. My sister is a sophomore at Wash U in St. Louis, and my brother is a junior at Beechwood High School. Did you all like going to temple when you were younger or were you kind of more into it than, than they were? It was definitely all of us. We It was never really a question what we were doing on Saturday until high school rolled around and then Saturdays became for sleeping. Um, <laughs> but like when we were younger, it was so fun. We always would have a lunch to go to after with our friends and it really just felt like family. I still look forward to going there. So after Schechter, what high school did you go to? I went to Beachwood High School. Oh, okay. So what was it like going to a Jewish day school? It was amazing. I joke um, all the time because I spent eighth grade graduation bawling my eyes out because I loved Schechter so much and I didn't Mm -hmm. want to leave. But I got really lucky. I had a really great group of friends there and I just, I loved it. Did you ever feel like your experience at a day school was different from some of your friends' experience um, in their, you know, middle schools when you went to Beachwood after? 
A little bit. I think Schechter does a really good job of preparing kids for that transition. And so definitely academically, I felt like I was ahead, which socially played out as well a little differently. But I mean, they have a Jewish, um, I mean, a Hebrew different like classes there too. So there was that similarity. Um, I mean, there's a pretty big Jewish population at Beechwood, so it probably wasn't like that different. (laughs) I joke that I really broke out of the Jewish bubble when I went to DePaul, which is the largest Catholic university in the nation. I was going to say, um, I think uh, Miriam went to DePaul. In Chicago? Chicago. Hmm, Maybe. Or my niece, I think. Um, <laughs> so I can't remember. So whatever. <laughs> but, so, but how did you choose that? I mean, of all the places you could go, why, yeah. how did you choose that one? Yeah, it was definitely random. I Basically, I had a lot of friends who were a year older than me, and I watched them go through the college process and have a quote-unquote dream school and then get denied from that dream school. And mm. I found it really funny because I then – when I was applying, realized that all of those people who were so devastated in that moment ended up really, you know, loving wherever they ended up. And so um, I just basically didn't want to visit any university until I got accepted. It was kind of a crazy decision, I guess, looking back at it. But um, I waited and DePaul was the first one I heard back from. I thought I wanted to go to Boston or DC. I have family out in both of those places and I've always loved visiting. And so my mom said, why don't you, you know, check out somewhere in Chicago. And they have really small class sizes, which I really enjoy. I also could never understand my friends at Ohio State in big lectures with 200 Mm. plus people. I would be talking to them about their classes and they couldn't even ask a question to their teacher. And that really just put me off. So my mom went to OSU. I went to OSU. (laughs) I'm sure it's great. I love to visit. It works for some people. I was a recolonist, AE5, back in 1976, 77. I'm friends with a lot of your sisters. Yeah. But I, I, I can uh, relate to the walking into a lecture hall with 300 kids and not knowing where, who I was, where I was. I, I, you know, if I had to do it over again, I didn't get any choice. My father said Ohio State or don't go. So I didn't have any choices. But, but so how did you choose what you wanted to do? Um, in terms of philosophy? Or anything. Wow, is that your major? (laughs) Yeah, that's my major. Um, Yeah, I would say that my first year I was definitely undecided. And at DePaul, it's a very liberal campus, which I actually don't mind except for when it comes to Israel. There's a lot of Mm. uh, just focus on, yeah, there's a big BDS presence, a lot of focus on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, and I I learned a lot because even the people at the Hillel, where I found a community there, they thought more liberally than I was used to, and mm. I learned a lot about what's happening there, and I've done some awesome trips with them to Israel, but it started to dawn on me that that was something that was really affecting the way that the outside world was seeing the Jewish community, and so I wanted yeah. to learn more, and um, philosophy seemed like a good place to start. That must be a really interesting place to kind of think about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict as from a philosophy perspective. Yeah, it comes up in about every class I have. (laughs) A a teacher thinks that it's a great example to use, and then I end up having to 
you know, defend the Jewish people, but it's, it's definitely interesting. Yeah. What does it feel like to kind of be, you know, outside of your comfort zone of being in a big Jewish community at a um, school like DePaul? Well, I think the coolest thing is how many people that were different than me that I was able to interact with. Um, I think my biggest takeaway, of course, I could spend hours and hours talking about the politics behind it all, but my biggest takeaway is that the situation is a lot more nuanced than the media or politicians or even we want to believe it is. It's not a black or white situation Mm -hmm. like most situations. And so I don't think I would have necessarily been able to come to that conclusion if I was still inside my little echo chamber, which I really do love to come back to. And I'm very happy to be here now, but it was definitely a really great learning experience. When you subscribe to the Cleveland Jewish News, you receive 52 issues of the award-winning CJN and 15 total magazines, including J-Style, Canvas, and Balanced Family. Try the Cleveland Jewish News for free. Start your six-week free trial at cjn.org slash six free. So you graduated from DePaul? Uh, I will be graduated in a few weeks, hopefully. Oh, great. Man, what a crazy congratulations. time. I mean, yeah. yes, congratulations, but also, like, what do you feel about this moment and not even getting to be on the campus that you're going to be graduating from? It's definitely different. I was in Israel from January to March, and so I left Chicago last November thinking I would be back in September for a whole year. And then when the pandemic hit, I was able to kind of rearrange a few things and figure out how to graduate early. Um, And so I never expected it to be like this, but I know that it's definitely the right way to be doing things right now. And quite honestly, once I left Israel and kind of had that experience of like, oh, I was supposed to do something and now I shouldn't be doing that because, you know, you should be taking care of people around you and staying safe and social distancing. I started to just realize that there's kind of like a greater purpose right now than graduating. So wait, can you just clarify? So you were in Israel from January 2020 or January 2019? January 2020 to March. To March. So how did you leave? I mean, was it easy to get back? How did you get in? That's the question. Well, so I like was sitting in the airport about to leave the United States and on Facebook for the first time I saw the word the coronavirus Mm. and I was just like oh that's interesting and then I had a connecting flight somewhere in Europe and they were wearing masks and I kind of noticed and I kept going and for the first few weeks of my program it was just kind of this you know let's wash our hands a little extra let's monitor the numbers make sure Israel doesn't have any cases and then you know things took off from there and well in the beginning I think Israel was doing pretty well they were um but a lot of universities were just pulling all of their abroad students no matter where they were because they didn't really know what was going to happen. And yeah, there was some talk about maybe borders being shut and not being able to get home. We had some people stay in Israel and I ended up being very jealous of them when they spent their summers in Israel. But Mm. were you supposed to stay until like June or something? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But we were able to finish the program virtually, and that part was still really fun because most abroad programs just ended, but we were able to keep up with the rabbis that ran the program. What was the purpose of the program? What were you supposed to learn? The program, uh, essentially, it's for any 
young Jewish leaders on campus, maybe you're really involved in Hillel, your camp, etc. And they try to uh, essentially expose us to as many Jewish careers as possible and start to think about what our values are and how we could transform those values into a career. So what are you interested in doing as a career? So I am really passionate about the Jewish community, whether that be camp or the Federation, day school, everything that falls under that category. Uh, I'm not 100% sure where I want to be. I know that I am also super passionate about Israel education, given everything we just talked about. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm hoping to go to grad school. The Nachshon Project also really exposed me to a lot of different grad school opportunities. So, Where would you want to go? Are you applying now? I don't think I'm going to apply now. I think I'm going to try to hold off as long as possible and hope that Zoom class will not be the norm in a few years. But they have a few different programs that they expose us to that are, you know, joint MBAs and uh, masters in nonprofit management or Jewish leadership, things like that. So it kind of sounds like a continuation of the program that I was doing in Israel, which would be awesome. Cool. So you don't want to be a rabbi, cantor? No, it was really awesome. The best part about this program is that they bring all of these different grad schools to talk to you. And so they recommend going to all of them just because there are all these stories of people who never thought they'd want to be a rabbi. And then they end up having this life-changing opportunity and hearing about this program. And unfortunately, none of those programs really spoke to me as much as the uh, MBAs or the there's an MSW. Um, there's also like an social MPP. work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there are a few different opportunities, but I don't think the rabbis in my cards. So working for some place like the Jewish, the Cleveland Jewish Federation or something would be maybe something you'd want to do at some point. Definitely. And the coolest part was that they specifically brought two speakers from the Jewish Federation of Cleveland to speak to us on the Nachshon project. Oh. And so all of my friends who I had been con- trying really hard to convince them that Cleveland was such a cool city. And then <laughs> they saw that there's a really awesome Jewish community here. You really do. I mean, with this podcast, I feel like we've gotten to know. Do you so know we have cool listeners people. in Israel? It's <laughs> awesome. Listen to, if you listen to our podcast, <laughs> it's like amazing. That's amazing. So how did you get hooked up with the Jewish Federation of Cleveland to do this um, Cleveland Jewish Community Cookbook? So about a week before I left Israel, I was on that Zoom conference with someone from Cleveland talking to my group in Israel. And uh, as devastated as I was to leave Israel, I was also very inspired by the program and everything that I had learned and realized about my career goals. And so as I also was supposed to work at camp. And so as it was becoming clear that camp wouldn't be able to run safely and they were going to have to cancel, I reached out to the Federation and um, just asked if there was any opportunity for me to help. Cool. Nice of you. So can you explain a little bit about the idea behind this cookbook and, you know, what has been in your, your involvement? Yeah, so when I reached out, they said that a specific donor was really interested in the history behind the different recipes in our Jewish community because I had never really thought about it until I was introduced to the project, but food is really so essential to anything that we're all doing. And 
I was basically told that the pro- the project was pretty much mine to work with and take inspiration from that uh, little description and to basically find a lot of recipes that are important to different Clevelanders. So how did you do that? Did you get an email list you could work from or did you just reach out in different ways? There were a few different ways. So at the beginning, I spent a lot of time networking with different people within the Federation, asking them for specific people that they thought might want to participate or different volunteer members that I should reach out to, things like that. Um, And then I did get an email list and that was probably the most helpful. What do people send you along with their cookbook? Like, Have you gotten some good recipes? That's what we really want to know. Yeah, I know. But also, like, do you get stories or photos of the recipes, too? That's what I want to know, too. Yeah, Yeah, we've gotten some awesome photos and um, stories as well. One of the coolest ones is honestly a gefilte fish recipe that made it Mm. into the Plain Dealer in... 1980 I got the whole article (laughs) yeah they're they're crazy they're from really all over the place there are some people that just say I've been making this for my family for 50 plus years and there Mm -hmm. are people who write about an essay and both of those things really speak for themselves because the different recipes are like brought to us by different people and so you know everyone has their own relationship with the recipe Did you contribute a recipe of your own? So the way that we're actually planning to roll this out is given how virtual our world is right now, and most people aren't really going into gift shops at different synagogues or at the JCC, we thought that it would be an awesome way to start the website online and actually have more people contribute their recipes throughout. So once the uh, website is up and running, I am planning on being the first submission. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a few different family recipes I can't really choose from. I think I'm going to have my sister submit one and my mom submit one and I will pick my favorite. What are some of your favorite things to cook? Well, my mom, every breakfast has about my favorite meal in the world. And so I think that the majority of the recipes I'm debating between are from that. Um, There is a baked French toast recipe. We've actually gotten a fair amount of those already. Um, Baked French toast? So it's it's like you just put French toast in the oven? Yeah, it's it's really good. It's like French toast souffle almost. Oh, gosh. How come you never made me that? (laughs) I made French toast this morning. Where were you? Also, there's a recipe for rugelach that my mom makes. That is, it's really Did you awesome. get mine? I sent you the rugelach yeah, one. <laughs> I just, yours was one of the first we put up on the website. So. Oh, what's the website? I didn't even know. It's not launched yet. We're going to wait until all of them are put up there. Oh. But it's going to be like the first way for people to interact with the cookbook. Cool. Thanks. What's the website going to be? Like, what's the URL? We think it's going to just be a button to click on the Federation website, okay. but details to come. I will update okay. you. Okay, great. Yes, please do. So this is your baby. Are there other students or um, anybody else in the community working on this with you? Well, I work really closely with a lot of the people at the Federation, just asking for advice and for different thoughts. Right now, I am the only one working on it, but as it continues to evolve, 
I might end up having a different opportunity. Who knows what will happen with it. How many recipes have you gotten so far? So far, I've gotten about 60, I want to say 62. Nice. Are they all the same, like 50 gefilte fish and 10 <laughs> broccoli? <laughs> I, was, I was really expecting that. We have, we have a fair amount of challah and a fair amount of masabal soups, but people are really creative, and I think some of the coolest ones are the ones that we wouldn't think of because I think the whole purpose of this project is really to capture the history of our community right now. And so, of course, there's gefilte fish and there's challah and there's brisket, but there are also some really cool soups that I had never even thought to try. So, hmm. Are you going to kind of have a map to sort of lay out or somehow point out, like if they say they're from you know Poland or Russia or something, or if they give you a town, is there some kind of a map where we can sort of pinpoint where these recipes came from? That's actually a really awesome idea. I didn't even think <laughs> about that, but I will definitely bring that back to my supervisor and see what she thinks. Do other federations have this uh, where they do a community cookbook or is this unique to us? I'm sure that it's been an idea proposed around other Jewish communities, but this is not in conjunction with any of those. So I know actually when I sent out my initial uh, email, which I think you actually responded to, um, I got a message from someone who said, oh my goodness, I did a Cleveland Federation cookbook this amount of years ago. This is so awesome to see you doing this oh. again. Mm. So, Yeah. So um, what is next for you? Because uh, like you said, you're about to graduate. Um, have you thought about like what happens next? Or are you kind of just waiting and seeing? Yeah, so I mean, I think that, you know, ever since the pandemic, I've heard a lot of people say, who knows what next week will look like. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I'm really taking it one month at a time. I am hoping that I'll be back at Camp Vermont, Canada this summer. God willing, everything works out and they can mm -hmm. run safely. Um, and what's your and role I, there? Are you a counselor? I was a counselor for three summers. Um, my third summer, I was also an assistant unit head. And this past summer, I was a virtual unit head. And hopefully this summer, I will continue in that role, not virtually. Right. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it's my happy place. It's great. <laughs> and sorry, I interrupted you. Oh, so after that, I'm sure that, um, like I said, I don't want to go straight to school. I know that the entire world is virtual, but so much about my education is in person to me. I feel like that's when I make the best connections with my professors and my peers. So mm -hmm. I think I'll take a year or two off of school and hopefully work or I've been looking into a few different fellowships. So, Well, that's great. We wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much Seriously. for talking with us. Yeah, of course. Thanks for listening to Cleveland Schmooze, a podcast produced by Rachel and Robin Rood. Tune in every other Friday to get the latest episode in your podcast feed. You can also find an archive of our episodes at our website, clevelandschmooze.com. And feel free to share any comments or suggestions to our email, clevelandschmooze at gmail.com. That's schmooze spelled C-A-S-C-H. <laughs> That's schmooze spelled schmooze. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>
Goodbye. Goodbye.